on yeah, it's Cameron Skirving with you now on the breakfast show through till ten. The family show coming up from ten till twelve. And right now, it is a time to welcome Dr. Andrew Corbett this morning. G'day, Andrew. How are you going? Good morning, Cameron. Great to be with you. Indeed. And today we're going to be dealing with something that I think is pretty close to the heart of Tasmanians in particular. One of the interesting statistics, Cameron, is that Tasmanians have a very a, a remarkably high participation rate in sport and in particular AFL football. Now I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I know that you're involved in yes, AFL. Yes. Tasmania per capita has more people watching AFL football than any other state of Australia. Really? Wow. Yeah. And we also, if you think about our population here, uh, some, you know, just under 500,000 people. And we have uh, a very, a very uh, flourishing AFL uh, system happening here. We have mm. what, what NTFL, NTFA, um, NTFA we have the, all the, 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 the southern one and, and, and so on. And in fact, what what the numbers show us, Cameron, is that in order to play football in Tasmania, the average senior footballer would be somewhere between the ages of 17 and 35 on average, somewhere in, yes. that, in that ballpark, that when you look at what's required of a, a, a Tasmanian to play football, the, um, they have to be a male, they are generally in that age range, then they have to become a registered player. To become a registered player with the various AFL uh, associations, they, they have to be a member of a club. To be a member of a club and a registered player, they yes. have to attend training twice a week. And to maintain their registration, they actually have to be on the field. They have, in other words, have to play a minimum of six games a year. So in order for this you know, average person, this, uh, somewhere between 17 to 35, to be on the sporting field as a registered AFL footballer, there's a pretty big commitment. They have to put their money on the fridge to become a member of a club. They then get registered as a player in order to maintain that registration. They have to attend training twice a week. They then have to have to be up to par to play at least six games a season. Yes. Now, that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg, of course. That's just maintaining player registration. Then, of course, there's all the additional things that the clubs would put on their player. Now, the, the simple reality is as we reflect on this, I want, you to, I want you to factor these numbers in, Cameron, that when you ask the question, how many young, well, how, how many people are in that category of registered Tasmanian footballers? Well, the answer is a staggering 35,000. There are 35,000 registered AFL football mm. players at, at various levels. In Tasmania. Wow. Now, that, now, that's one thing. Yes. Then you add in Auskick, you add in the, the people who are members of clubs, you add in the people who drive the bus, the people who, you know, uh, runners, the people who are coaches, trainers, all the rest umpires. of it. Umpires. Umpires. That yes. number goes to 155,000. 155,000 people mm -hmm. are involved in AFL football at one level or another. Yeah. Now, Cameron, when you think that of the 500,000 or so people in our state, and if we say, you know, half are probably male, so around 
200 and something thousand. And we're talking about 155,000 people mm. involved in AFL football. You can, you can see that easily the, particip- the participation rate in AFL football in particular in Tasmania is extraordinary, just extraordinary. Now, as we reflect on this and then we reflect on the lessons that can be learned from sport, and I am particularly thinking of AFL football, and I am particularly thinking of Tasmania. Because, Cameron, this is what I see. I see people living lacklustre lives through the week who are not living but existing, who are not flourishing but are coping. I see people in business who who are struggling, they're losing enthusiasm, they're becoming disheartened. I see people who are in dead-end jobs that they don't enjoy, and then I see them on the weekend. Then I see them at the football, Cameron. Mm. And it's like Jekyll and Hyde. So the person who's got no enthusiasm for life from Monday to Friday... Has got enthusiasm. Suddenly, on Saturday, look at them. Uh. I mean, you, when, you know, Cameron, when the Hawks are in town. Oh, yeah. The other, look, they were here, what, it's two... Uni- it's unity. Two Saturdays ago... Yeah. And and it's so annoying because I don't barrack for the Hawks, and neither do you. <laughs> no. But but here, here we are. Yeah, we're, you know, time. we're walking around Launceston, and suddenly everybody's got a brown and gold scarf on. Yeah. It's everywhere. And, and these people who, on Monday to Friday, kind of like, you know, just head down, glum look, let's just, you know, see if we can make it through. As I heard Ryan Eastley say Sunday night at Lagana, he said he discovered that the five, uh, it's it's the five days after the weekend that are the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Ryan. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> the five days after the weekend are always the hardest. And so we, we see that football, sport brings people alive. Yeah, it does. There's it a does. passion that, mm. that comes into them. Now, I want to I go, well, what is that? Can we bottle that? Mm. Can we look at the lessons that, that we can see from sport? What is it that causes us to gasp, applaud, stand, cheer, clap, yell, scream, get excited, get passionate about what's happening on a football mm. field that we don't do through the week. Well, what is that? Well, I've been thinking long and hard about this, Cameron, and following on from our discussion last week when we surveyed the overall economy of Tasmania and what needs to happen. When I think about this, what needs to happen in Tasmania is, as people are realising, it's not an, it, it's it's not fundamentally an economic problem. We 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 have a, a serious. I mean, it, to use the word serious is to understate the, the matter. We have some very, very serious issues happening here economically in our state. And to hear, uh, even last week, there was a Commonwealth Bank uh, economic review on Tasmania, and it said, it concluded that Tasmania is the hardest state in Australia to do business. Now, Cameron, my heart breaks when I hear Mm. that. I, I don't want our state to be known as the hardest, most difficult place to set up and do business with. I, I, that, that's, that's, and I know none of our politicians want that either, and I know none of our leaders want that, no. and I, certainly our business leaders don't want that. But in order for that to change, there has to be a ground swell, a, a grassroots cultural change. We have to shift the way, not that we just see business and economics and all the rest of it, we actually have to have a fundamental shift in the way we see life. Because if we're, if we're seeing life as a drudge, as a drain, as a totally disconnect between 
Monday to Saturday, in other words, what we do on Monday bears no resemblance to the passion and fervor for life that we show on Saturday, well, we, we, we have got a huge problem. We have to have an integrated life where the passion that we show on Saturday for our sporting heroes or uh, for the sport that we ourselves play, we need to translate that into everyday life so that we take that passion into us, uh, with us, into our workplace, our schools, our uh, homes, our community, wherever we are mm. conducting ourselves, there are certain very valuable lessons that we can learn from life, Cameron. And I think we can draw from those lessons. These are the lessons that will help us as a state to just transform our culture. Mm. We need people who are passionate about life. Uh, yep, sure, we're going to have ups and down days. I'm not talking about those little you know, ups and down bits. I'm talking about something right at the fundamental core of what it means to be a Tasmanian, why we uh, put breath in our lungs, mm. what we're trying to do, what we value most, and where we can go as a state. And Cameron, I've got some things that I think we can learn from sport. Let's come back after this song mm. and let's start to unpack this. And I hope people get a little bit of passion for what we're talking about. Me too. It's all good, and uh, we can match it up with the rest of the world because uh, we were talking about the unity of what sport does, um, and you just think of other places around the world that they, they all come together. But anyway, it's all about sport on uh, YFM this morning, and uh, coming up next, a song uh, which um, yeah, it's very, very relevant to uh, what we're talking about this morning and what we were saying in relation to AFL. That's coming up next. That's actually the theme to the AFL centenary back in 1996 and um, yeah, sort of speaks what we were talking about um, there in terms of unity and what uh, the game of footy does to us on a Saturday. Aussie rules, I thank you for the best years of our lives. That's one I actually uh, had to check, uh, search the, uh, the archives of WayFM to find and I did find a copy, so there you are. Kevin Johnson. It's uh, 8.55, you're on YFM, we're into our regular Wednesday morning discussion with Dr. Andrew Corbett today, how are we learning uh, from sport? Well, Cameron, I think there's a lot of lessons we can learn from sport, and, and parents who are reluctant to let their children play sport are, are probably not doing their children a service, They because sport teaches some of the most valuable lessons about life, and in, in, in a, just a simple economic you know, viewpoint, sport is a really, really important component to our economy. The more people participate in sport, the better chances we have of improving our economy. Now, we could look at that just simply from an economic viewpoint, but I actually want to go deeper. I want to look at what's at the heart and soul of what it means to be Tasmanian. And I, I think there are some things that we collectively together need to go, hey, look, we, this is who we've become and I think this is who we need to be. And who we need to be is not going to be that much of a shock because what I'm suggesting is that there's some the, the most valuable things that we admire, appreciate about sport are the very things, Cameron, I'm saying we need to embody in life generally. Here's the first one. You know, in sport, one of the greatest lessons of sport is that it teaches you that participation is in itself a type of reward. Just getting out there and having a go. That yes, that that is a absolutely. type of reward. There is a just just to know that you've you've played. You've mm. gone out there and you've had a go. Good for you. 
And I think that there are people who perhaps have been too fearful to go and improve themselves, advance their career, establish a business, grow a business because they haven't had the gumption. They just haven't been prepared to get up there and get out on the field. So participation is in itself a type of reward. But here's the but. But, Cameron, but. It's not the same reward as winning. Winning, victory, mm. is a different type of reward. Now, this is this is one of the most valuable lessons that you learn that we can see from sport, that when you win, that in itself is a, is a reward that is yes. unique to participation. Now, I know that we live in a give everybody a ribbon, give everybody a medal, give everybody a, you know, a, a trophy for turning up. Yes. I know we live in that kind of culture, but the brutal reality of it is if, if we at the end of a sporting game said, well, everybody's won, well, look, it'd be pointless. I mean, this is, not the, this is not how life works. Life works on an effort-reward ratio, mm. and sport above just about everything else teaches us that and, and there is a motivation there to continue on like a team like melbourne this example yep. the demons who are struggling for a win i don't know whether they have obviously they would have aspirations to win a premiership but i remember um tony shaw saying um in relation to when they won the collingwood premiership because they hadn't won a premiership for mm-hmm. so long he said oh yeah norm smith was good but uh, all i wanted to do was just hold the premiership cup up mm-hmm. and that's the motivation that keeps them going yes yeah so it's one thing to say look i played in the grand final yes it's a completely other thing to say i lost the grand final yeah and it's a completely other thing to say we won the premiership yeah and i, I tell you i tell you which one is sweetest we won the premiership. We won the premiership. Yeah, There's absolutely. just no doubt about it. Absolutely. And, and Cameron, we need to get this effort-reward ratio. We need to stop rewarding mediocrity in Tasmania. That's a big call. But I'm, I'm serious. If we if we don't do something about this we-hate-winners culture, we're, we're yeah. an anti-success culture, we, we are, we are going to be cutting, cutting ourselves off at the knees. We need to foster a success culture. And sport teachers... That victory belongs to the one who wins. This is not rocket science, Cameron, but we need this as part of our culture where people understand that, yep, it's one thing to play a good game, but it's another thing to play a good game and win. So, Cameron, let's come back after the news and let's keep unpacking lessons we can learn from sport. It's nine o'clock on WFM, it's news time. A sunny morning is forecast for today, which is certainly spot on today. Areas of morning frost as well. Isolated showers, though, to develop during the evening. So once again, enjoy this sunny weather while it lasts. Light winds and a top of 13 with possible light showers in, in the morning and the afternoon for tomorrow, 4 to 13 degrees. Currently in town, it's on 1 degree out there. Another cold start, that is for sure. We're in the company of Dr. Andrew Corbett for the regular Wednesday morning discussion. Today we're talking about what we can learn from sport and we've been talking about how it unites uh, people. I was uh, chatting to Dr. Andrew before we came on air about how um, cricket unites the people in the islands in the Caribbean. It seems to be the only thing that does that. And also we're talking about that uh, hunger to win premierships. And um, I think uh, Dr. Andrew wants to continue on that vein now. Well, I think, Cameron, there's there's so many valuable lessons we can learn from sport. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop and perhaps think, you know, what is it about a, a team that we don't even support and yet we can admire? We can, we can look at 
players of exceptional calibre and go, you know, man, it's like when Geelong plays Carlton and I see Chris Judd on the field. I go, oh, man, I don't like this guy because he's just so good. <laughs> and I, I, de- I, I admire him. I respect him. And, and not only that, I, I look at the fact that he left mm. the West Coast Eagles because he did not want to be a part of that culture. Yeah. And that culture was fairly notorious of hard drinking and there was drug taking and there was, you know, just slacking off. And, and he made a, a character choice to leave that and go to a very lowly club. Yes. And arguably has been one of the major contributors to whatever success they've had. He he's just announced. I think he won, I think he won the Brownlow in there somewhere. I, yeah, he it was, was in, for West Coast. But it's interesting also that West Coast success rate has dropped since his demise. I was going to bring up the subject of talking to people that don't you know talk about they don't like um, leaders and and successful people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all that long ago that people you know just said bad thing after bad thing about Ricky Ponting and he shouldn't have been made captain in the first place and that sort of thing. Uh, should be dropped. Um, mm-hmm. And now they're calling for him to return, come out of retirement in North Australia. It's incredible, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Um, the, the whole tall poppy thing just, for me, highlights yes. the fact that we need to change the culture. And in sport, we admire champions. We we mm. don't We generally don't see our team playing well on the field and go, oh, gee, I wish they didn't play so well. <laughs> no, 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 that's You've right. got to be joking, of course, because I, it, it's almost as if all those silly, irrational thoughts get left at the gate as we go through mm. to watch the match or they get left in the kitchen as we come into the lounge room to watch the, watch the game on TV. We, we don't think like that. We think, you know, when I watch Geelong play... You, you probably don't want to be in the same room or space as me. I, I get deeply emotionally involved in this process mm-hmm. because I want my team to do well. And even when they, you know, um, had that winning streak there a couple of seasons back and they almost went through, I think they may have gone through the season undefeated or near two, it's like, yeah, I want you to win every game. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, just drop a couple, you know, just to make the others feel good. I'm going, no, blow it. You win everything you can. And... And most people are like that with their team. They don't want their team to lose. And I think we need that in life. We should be able to cheer people on. We should be able to have a success culture, a winning culture, where we realise that if people do well, they're doing well because probably they've, they've worked really, really hard. And that becomes exceptionally obvious when you see people doing well on the sporting field. Now, we're particularly talking about uh, football, but we could also draw the same analogy from you know my sport, which is tennis. If you ever go to YouTube and just YouTube Roger Federer's training and have a look, there's the world's greatest tennis player. There's no argument now that Roger Federer is the greatest tennis player that's ever picked up a racket and walked onto a court. One, one, um, uh, so many, so many tournaments are just beyond just belief. It's just just incredible. Okay, so when we look at someone like that, it, it'd be easy to think, you know, he just flies on his private jet to his next tournament, just walks off the plane, walks onto the court, wins the tournament, picks up a million dollar check, goes back to the motel room, you know, lays in, you know, just sort of dips in the spa and, hit, you know, enjoys the high life and flies the next tournament. That's not the story. In fact, there's YouTube clips where they show what the story is. And these clips reveal that he is working 
hard continually. And when other players are on the court for an hour or two a day and they stop and whatever, he's on there three, four, five hours a day. Not only that, he's doing the mundane things like just bouncing a ball. And it, it sounds ridiculous just to think he's building up his wrist muscle. He's just bouncing a ball. Then they show him in the gym doing all the, the things that he's doing. And no one's around. There's no, there's no one on the sidelines clapping and cheering. There's no one there with TV cameras filming this just fairly mundane, routine, physical workout. But this this shows, Cameron, that most of the success <coughs> that, that is possible in life is not is not going to be the result of what the public sees. No, no. You know, the, the person who can stand up and speak well in public, who has spent hours and hours mm. just in mm. solitude reading, researching, pondering. And it's, it's you know, I often say to people who get all upset about, you know, personal privacy being violated and so on, and we've got cameras everywhere now. I often say, look, if you put a camera in my office and you, you watched what I did do during the day, you'd probably change channels. Yeah. I mean, just so much of what yeah. I do is just mundane. It's just, it's just, slog it's just hard work and it, there's nothing fancy or glitzy mm. about it i mean if you want to have a camera just on me while i read a book for two hours well i can honestly i can, I can think of more exciting things to watch there would probably be nothing controversial this is um, what people are obsessed with these days yeah you know, or, that's right in, yeah. in fact one of the the frustrations of doing tv interviews with with uh, journalists over the years on some of the issues and and just a couple of months ago we were talking about some of the, the, the horrible moral decisions that, that our state government's pushing. And right now we've got the parliamentary inquiry into the abortion bill, which is just an abhorrent piece of legislation. And I remember making what I considered to be some fairly reasonable, level-headed comments. And, well, it just wasn't controversial enough. I think it got about three or four seconds on the nightly news and they went to somebody who was an outrageous sort of highly controversial spokesman for the other side and that they get most of the media um, because yeah. it just you know his, hysterics always looks better on TV than yes. cool calm and rational reasoning so <laughs> yeah. Cameron what we what we learn from sport is you know that 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 participation is a is a is a, a kind of reward in itself but but winning winning Cameron is is a reward that that is yes. not like the reward of participation. No. If you've seen the movie The Incredibles, the the Pixar animation people are making some pretty profound points here in this wonderful family movie about about Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, where they they possess extraordinary abilities, and due to public outcry, that they they're no longer allowed to exercise their extraordinary abilities, and they they have to by legislation they have to become mediocre mm. now they they give birth to uh they have three children and each of their children have these extraordinary abilities and one of them their son uh dash he he's fast uh, hence the name dash and he's told by his parents that he he can win he can win the occasional race but he can't do it by much of a margin he has to just win he can't excel and mm. at one point there's a scene in that movie where dash is so-called graduating note the bunny is graduating from grade three to grade four 
And Mr. Incredible says, look, I'm sick of all this mediocrity being celebrated. I'm just sick of, of society celebrating mediocrity. And I tell you, I'm hearing him. I'm hearing him, Cameron, because if we continue to tell our young people mediocrity is good enough, we will stand mm. back and we will give you exactly the same reward as the winner for you I, just being mediocre. Okay, so, all right, again, we'll bring it back to the AFL principle here. Mm-hmm. A team like Melbourne who's struggling to even win a game this year, how do you continue to encourage them to keep going if they're just feeling, oh, this is impossible, I, I want to win a premiership, but I just, I'm just i not getting anywhere? Mm-hmm. How do we encourage people to, can, to get into that winning frame of mind if we're only just... Um, you know, um, so disheartened, you just yes. want to give up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, <clears throat> this is where the coach makes a, makes almost the difference. You know, the right coach makes the difference. And if I think in football terms, I would think in terms of the Geelong Football Club. <laughs> and your team, of course. Well, but but there's there's some really good lessons here. And I think you know I mentioned the other week that Alistair Clarkson said the Geelong Football Club right now. The Geelong football team is probably the best team in the history of the competition ever. Yeah. And I thought, now that, that's coming from the coach of what is, you know, a team that is at the top of the ladder. Yes. Now, that, that's a remarkable statement from, mm-hmm. from uh, Alistair. That what, what, what is he seeing? What, why is he saying this? Well, the, the turnaround came when, after uh, Gary Ayres left, um, Bomber Thompson came in. And I remember that, yeah. Cameron. Th- yeah. This was Bomber Thompson's first senior coaching mm-hmm. appointment. And everyone was going, oh, gee, does he, is, does he know what he's doing? And I remember what happened. The first few games, Geelong just got clobbered. They did. Just That's right. clobbered. That's right. There was almost a season, an entire mm-hmm. season you could just write off yes. Bomber Thompson. And people at the end of the first season were calling for Bomber Thompson sacking. Mm. They said, this guy, you know, he's too young, doesn't know what he's doing. You know, the the things that he's trying to do at Geelong don't work. He's going against the... You know, all this kind of stuff. Well, history tells that the story didn't kind of go the way these mm. naysayers were, were saying. Mm. The fact that Bomber Thompson was actually working to a plan that no one appreciated. And what was his plan? He was investing power into the team. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a fun, you, you hear me say this and you go, well, isn't that what all coaches do? No, actually, it's, it's clearly not what all coaches do. But he did. Mm. And one of the most remarkable, in fact, I would say the, the turning point in Bomber Thompson's coaching career of, of the Geelong Football Club and, and how he set them up. And, and, and arguably, uh, Chris Scott is is just simply enjoying the legacy yes, of what yeah, Bomber Thompson uh, and those, that, that, that core team of players established. But what, what did they do? Well, they, he, he gave a lot of the decision-making process to the team. Now, the, the, the turning point was when Steve Johnson went out on the town, got drunk, and I think was involved in a car accident. It was something like that. It was it was a, yeah. a highly yeah. embarrassing thing. And ordinarily what happens is the AFL imposes a, a penalty on the player. But the AFL said to the club, it's up to you. The club would ordinarily impose a penalty on the player. They went to Mark Thompson and said, you know, okay, what's the penalty? And he said, hey, not up to me. It's up to the team. Mm-hmm. And they put they put Steve Johnson in a room alone 
with the players. And the players dressed him down. The players said, you are part of a team, not just when we're on the field. You are a part of the team when you walk out of this stadium. You are a part of the team when you are asleep at night in your home. You are a part of this team when you are wherever you are. You do not ever cease to be a part of this team. And you have disgraced us. Now, for something like that, the AFL might impose a one-week ban or a, a small financial penalty. Yes, yeah. The players of the Geelong Football Club, I don't know if you remember this, Cameron, they imposed a six-week ban yeah. on their teammate. They said, you are not to come near this club. You are not to have any contact with any of us. You are out of this club for six weeks. For six weeks, you have nothing to do with this team. Now, the club was mortified that they because Steve Johnson. Yeah. They were mortified. But you know what the result was, Cameron? Early in the season, six weeks off, Steve Johnson comes back, plays in the reserves, does well, earns his stripes, so plays in the B team, comes back into the A team. Yes. I don't know if you remember what happened. He played every game, and not only that, from that point, Geelong didn't lose. Mm. They mm. won every game through to the Premiership. Yes. And guess who starred in the grand final? Was it? Stevie yes. J. Now, I actually see that as a remarkable lesson in life. Mm. Firstly, discipline is not meant to punish. No. And we need this as a life lesson. And I hope parents are listening to this. Discipline is meant to help someone grow. Yeah. And we could just say discipline is meant to help someone. Perhaps they need to do that to him again because he keeps on being rubbed out um, at the tribunal. Well, tell, I, I, um, Cameron, just as a, a bit of a defensive <laughs> here, I've seen some of those bumps and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking... I don't know what was. I don't know what he did wrong, but anyway, that's another issue. Uh, we could always have these discussions, but yes. just just remarkable. And and now to hear, um, th you know, there are, there are football commentators that are, that have now taken his trademark, you know, run at right angle to the to the mm. to, on the mark, run at right angles and kick the football sort of at a, that weird angle. They now call it the the the, the Stevie J kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah, and that's you've right. got you've got now. How did he do that? Well, if we look at someone like Melbourne. How are they going to turn their fortunes around? Well, and, and Cameron, I, I think you, you're very insightful to say that there may be someone who feels like the Melbourne Football Club. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. they've, they've tried, they've tried, they've tried, and they've failed. Well, the, the reality is that their, their coach, uh, Mark Neal, is that right? Yes, Mark, Mark was Mark Neal. Mark Neal was Mark Neal, yeah. that's right. He, he didn't know what he was doing. No. Cameron, he didn't know what he was doing. And and people could argue, go, oh, that's really harsh, Andrew. And I go, well, it may be harsh, but it may be true. He didn't know what he was doing. The fact that um, Neil, Neil, uh, the guy who took over, former Crows coach. Um, uh, yeah, Neil Craig. Neil Craig takes Somebody over. Somebody calls him Craig David, but anyway. <laughs> Neil Craig took over, and the first game he takes over, they win. I mean, that's got yeah. to tell you something. Yeah. So um, so here's my point, that in life, there may be, it may be that you've, you're just getting the wrong advice. You, you need to get good advice. You need mm -hmm. a good coach. And here, before we go to this next song, Cameron, then we'll come back and we'll just flow through the next few. That in, in life, you, you need, everyone needs a coach. 
And a coach is someone who's going to help you to do what you want to do, mm. even though you don't want to do it. So a coach, we, we could even put it this way, a really good coach will get you to do what you need to do in order to have what you want to have, mm. even though you don't want to. That's what a good coach will do. So, Cameron, let's come back after this song. Another sporting anthem. It is, yes. <laughs> and and let's just finish up looking at lessons from yeah. sport for life. Okay, well, here's a song that uh, really does describe my favourite sport. Yeah, well, that set me up for the day. A song uh, with uh, the use of a cricket term. How's that? It's uh, Sherbet here on YFM at 9.25. We're uh, doing our regular Wednesday uh, Morning discussion with Dr. Andrew Corbett. This will be uploaded uh, uh, to our website at wayfm.org.au uh, shortly for you to uh, download and uh, keep and listen again if um, you're liking today's discussion, which is all about uh, how we can learn from sport. Andrew. Well, Cameron, I, I say these are lessons that we urgently need to learn, and we do. We urgently need to learn this. And w when you think about uh, the, the whole sporting industry, those who are in it know that you you don't you don't make your way in the the sporting world by being mediocre. I mean, we're not, we're not just gonna we're not gonna pay you to go out on the field if you're no, no good. You know, no. yeah, but I really want to be out there. Well, toughs, princess, you, you gotta you, you want to be out there. You gotta win. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you gotta be a part of a winning team here. You raised the the Melbourne scenario, and I'm sure that there are other strategic thinkers who are thinking in terms of, well, okay, how does someone like Melbourne turn its fortunes around? It's not just Melbourne too, Cameron. I, I, even looking, I, I would say Melbourne could probably draw a lot of lessons from the Western Bulldogs at the moment. Their, their fortunes are beginning to turn. And mm. when you look at what Mark Bomber-Thompson did with Geelong, he invested, empowered the players, he, they, they recruited well. They raised the bar. Mm. They raised the bar. They mm. didn't lower the they bar. Did. They no, raised they the bar. Yep. They, they, you know, if, if you've got to turn up to training twice a week, you've got to turn up to training three times a week. If you, they, they put these personal things on, you know, no drinking alcohol, no, no drug taking, no late nights, all, all these incredibly high bar raising things they did. And the team owned it. The players owned it. Mm. And it's it's interesting now, if you look at the Western Bulldogs, I predict, Cameron, the Western Bulldogs are setting themselves up yeah. for next year, next Absolutely. season. And their, their victory over West Coast oh, was uh, an indication, I yeah. think, of, of more to come. Now, the reason I say that is I look at their, their coach, uh, McCartney, what's his name? McCartney. Um, um, yeah, McCartney. I can't think of his yeah, name. Yeah. Anyway, and and uh, Paul McCartney. No, no, not Paul McCartney. <laughs> uh, and he he just strikes me as someone who kind of is working to a plan and knows what he's doing. Now, here's yeah. here's a part of the point too, Cameron. When you try to do something, and when you try to excel, and when you try to go beyond where you where you're at, you will fail. In fact, if you went, if you go to andrewcorbett.blogspot.com my latest article there is called I Want You to Fail. 
Because unless you're failing, you're probably not trying. Unless you're failing, you're not having a go. Unless you realise that failure are the paving stones to success, you won't ever become successful. People who are paralysed by failure are people who will never succeed and reach their full potential. So in other words... um, Oh, I wish I could think of his name, but uh, Coach McCartney, uh, Western Bulldogs, that they they implemented a new plan. They've tried. They're trying. They're working towards something, and you can see. Okay, they've they've lost more games than they've won. They they have struggled. You know, on paper, it looks like they're struggling. But but those in the know realise. Hang on a minute. There's something going on here. These guys are setting themselves up for next season bringing in young players they've got some exciting young players bringing um just a a new way of playing and and also we said before if if you're consistently losing in life generally you're probably getting the wrong advice You, you need to change coaches and if you look at the coaching staff now they are nearly all extra long players at the Western Bulldogs. In other words, they're getting in really good advice. That's why I, that's one of the reasons why I say just watch what happens to the Bulldogs next mm. year. I reckon they're setting themselves up. But this is the this is the other thing too. In one of the things we learn from life is that when you when you start when you change from doing what you know, what is comfortable, what is routine, what you've always done to beginning to develop a champion mindset, then then you're almost certainly going to fail, 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 fail. Oops, small victory, fail, fail, small victory, fail, victory, fail, victory, fail, victory, victory, fail, victory, 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 fail, victory, 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 victory. That is the pattern. And I think of when Tiger Woods attained to being the number one golfer in the world, he said, I just don't feel like I'm playing to my full potential. He got in another coach. And the other coach said, "Well, look, I, you know, I, I know you're number one. You could just keep doing what you're doing, but if you if you want to improve, this is what you should do: changed his grip, changed the way he held the club, changed his grip, changed his swing." And Tiger Woods went out and for the next six months could was spraying balls, could didn't win a tournament. If it was three months, it was six months, and then eventually that pattern: fail, fail, fail. Fail, 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 victory, fail. That, and then eventually victory, 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 fail, victory, victory, victory began to kick in. And now, of course, you know, Tiger Woods is back in a yeah. almost a winning pattern again. And I think that's how life works, and we can learn that from sport. There may be people listening to us who have had a business idea, and you've gone out undercapitalized, under-resourced, under-coached, and failed. Well, you've learned something. Yeah. Now, learn from it. Learn that you can't go in undercapitalized. Learn you can't go in underprepared. And you can't go in with the wrong advice. Learn from it. Learn from it. Develop that business. There are people who have business ideas that, you know, you're just kind of small right now. You're just really small. And you're wondering, how could I grow my business? Well, probably for you, the answer is, again, get, get the right coaching. Get the right coaching. And realize that to go from where you're at to where you would possibly like to be, it's going to be a process called uncomfortable. And it's going to be a process that's going to be marked by failure because failure are the 
paving stones to success. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you begin to learn these lessons from sport for life, Cameron, I think if we can change this fundamentally at the grassroots culture of Tasmania, we can begin to see people who aren't just, you know, relishing in the welfare state mentality, you know, I'm going to be rewarded for being mediocre, and we begin to learn lessons from sport. Parents, get your kids involved in sport. Get them realising that life doesn't reward those who are mediocre. Life will reward those who work hard, and life will reward those who put in the hard yards mm-hmm. away from the eye of the public. Get get them involved. Get them in, involved in kick tennis. Get them involved... Because the, soccer. these soccer, these are the lessons mm. in, in cricket. Actually, if you if you got any budding batsmen out there, get them, get them. <laughs> we, Australia, we need, we need some leg spinners as well. <laughs> well Australia could use a few cricketers <laughs> yes, at the moment. Could, yes. But that's all right. Soccer seems to be the in thing at the well, moment. So, Cameron, I I just think generally, I want to see businesses thrive and yes. flourish. I want to yes. see artists thrive and flourish, yes. novelists thrive musicians. and flourish, musicians thrive and flourish. And especially I want to see sports people thrive and flourish. Radio Radio announcers thrive and flourish. Because if we can get these people who are highly visible to thrive and flourish, it actually, people begin to say, how did you become the world's best guitarist? How did you, you know, the world's best guitarist in 10 years could be a Tasmanian, Cameron. The world's best novelist could, in 10 years, could be a Tasmanian. There is absolutely no reason why that can't be the case. But in order for that to happen, something's got to start today. Mm. Today, somebody's got to go. Well, okay, I'm going to be a novelist. I'm going to I'm going to increase my vocabulary. I'm going to read the other best novelists. I'm going to learn what they do well. I'm going to, do, and they just start to do the hard mm. yards. I'm going to be the world's best tennis player. Well, you might be seven years of age right now, and you can be. I'm telling you, mm. you can be. But I'd have to leave Tasmania. No, you wouldn't necessarily have to leave Tasmania. You can be the best. To, you know, whatever it is, learn these lessons. And these are the lessons that people look at generally in life and go, well, hang on, that means that means my family could flourish, my business could flourish, my job, my career could flourish if I learn these lessons from sport. Yes. Cameron, I desperately hope that we take these urgently needed lessons and start to apply them to the very foundation of our culture here in Tasmania. Indeed. Well done. Dr. Andrew Corbett, great message this morning. As I said, it will be uploaded shortly onto our website for you to download. And he'll be back at the same time next week. It's now 9.35. Kelly Clarkson coming up next.